Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to the Faith Roots Podcast. And we're talking today about what is faith. This is part two of the series. And by the way, if you haven't yet subscribed to our Faith Roots Podcast, please do that. And be sure to get the email that accompanies this lesson, and it's found at myfaithroots.com. Go to the website, you can register, and all of this stuff is free. It doesn't cost you anything, so I hope you'll join me with that. Hebrews 11.6 from 26 Translations, Without faith, man cannot please God. For the man who draws near to God must believe that there is a God and that He will reveal Himself to those who sincerely look for Him. To all who earnestly try to find Him, uh, the King James says, to those who diligently seek Him. If faith is required for a genuine relationship with God, then faith should be your single greatest pursuit. It ought to be what you look for more than anything else. And so the one thing we established yesterday, and I hope you got this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You don't get faith in any other way. You're not born with it. Uh, You don't get it because you're a grandma or have it because you're a little kid. You have faith because you hear the Word of God. That's where faith comes from. And the Scriptures are the way by which God has chosen to speak with us. And this is why there's such a war today on the Bible. And it's why the Bible is being attacked from every side. And it is because if you lose your faith in the Scriptures, you will lose your faith, period. Without the Scripture, you have no basis for your faith. And when you have no basis... Uh, anything goes. You get to become your own God. And let me tell you something, that, that's not a great thing. It's not what people think it is. All right, the Scriptures are the way by which God has chosen to speak to us, and the sooner you learn that, the better. Now, God will put up with a little bit of childishness in us when we first begin to walk with Him like He did with me. I had been saved for less than a month. To me, the holiest place on earth was at the altar at my grandma's church. It was a Pentecostal church. These people were amazing worshipers. They were amazing singers. They were very emotional. The pastor was an excellent preacher, very gifted communicator. And at the end of the services, people would go forward and kneel at the front pew facing backward, or they would kneel at the padded altars that were there at the front, And uh, you could spend some extra time praying there. And almost everybody went down to pray like that just for a little bit. Some people would stay for a few minutes and others would stay for 25, 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. To me, that was a very holy place. I'm just going by atmosphere and what I felt, how I felt when I was there. I felt that there was something about that spot that was super sacred, that you were closer to God there than you were any other time. And here's how I was affected by this. Along with this came just the opposite. When I was not at church, I felt very far from God. I felt like God was not anywhere around and and I could not feel His presence. And so I attached the presence of God to a particular place. I wanted to see Jesus. And I was sure that if I punished myself or sacrificed or really proved to Him how serious I was about seeing Him that He would appear to me. 
So I asked the pastor if I could spend the night in the church praying at those altars. Well, there were some other young men who heard about my quest and decided to join. One of them was a married guy, and uh, he plays big in the story, as we shall see later. So the time came for us to pray, and the pastor, you know, he humored us. He, he, he probably could have sat us down and said, look, guys, you're wasting your time. But he didn't. He gave us the key. He let us stay there, and we prayed all night. And uh, about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, I determined, okay, I don't think Jesus is coming. I, I kind of just had it all in my mind that if we prayed fervently and prayed for several hours, which we did, that somehow the Lord would be forced into appearing to us. And <laughs> this is not unlike the vision quest of uh, a number of uh, different people groups around the world who will go for long periods of time and fast and go to some remote and exotic place to be alone, and, uh, and then somehow they get a vision. Well, this is a dangerous thing to do because you open yourself up to the spirit world and now you're seeking God in a way that He doesn't authorize. God has authorized ways of speaking to us and the way that He speaks to us is through His Word. Now, the Scripture is the way that He has chosen to speak to us. I want you to listen to this. And this is important. And now, when God created the world, there was no scripture yet. It was quite some time before Moses wrote. But but God still communicated with people. And here we are in Genesis chapter three and verse eight. And listen to His choice of communication. This is Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They have now sinned. They have broken the law, the one commandment they've been given. They ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they feel guilt. They know they've done something wrong. In chapter 3, the book of Genesis, verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Now this speaks volumes to us, and here's what it says. It says that God speaks through His voice, that God speaks audibly. In other words, God comes through the hearing. That's how He r reveals Himself to us. It doesn't say they saw the Lord. It said the presence of the Lord was in the garden, but the presence was there in the voice. Now later on, Moses would write down all of these things that God told him. And he had an amazing anointing to do this. In fact, he, he took dictation really from the Lord and wrote down these first five books of the Bible. And they're amazing in their structure and in what they reveal. And, and they had a huge impact on humanity because they bring order to the world. You throw out these laws that God gave to Moses and uh, it, it breaks down society in a, ter in a terrible way. So what I want you to see is that God speaks through hearing and I was wanting to see something, and, and God humored me as a young person who didn't know any better, but he didn't appear to me, and I couldn't make him appear to me, nor should you even try this. Now listen to what Peter wrote in Second Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophets themselves or because they wanted to prophesy. This was not something that happened because they wanted to do it. It was the Holy Spirit who moved 
the prophets to speak from God. Now that is a very powerful statement. He says that this didn't happen just because they wanted to, um, uh, to, to prophesy or write something. They were moved on by God. All right, listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. And uh, we'll go all the way to verse 17. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ. All Scripture is given by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. So the Scriptures were given by God and they are inspired by God. And these holy men wrote them. There's no denying anywhere in Scripture that men wrote the Bible. That, in fact, that's the beauty of the whole thing. When you hear somebody say, well, men wrote the Bible. Well, that's a great statement. Men wrote the Bible. Of course they did. Let's suppose that God himself wrote it, came down and picked out a shade tree somewhere and sat down and wrote the whole thing out and then handed it to people. It wouldn't take but five, ten years and people would say, men wrote that. And if you weren't there to see God write it yourself, then you wouldn't believe that God wrote it. Uh, but, but you see, the fact that men did write it, and they come up with a cohesive message, when you see in Jesus all of these prophecies scattered all over the Old Testament, you see them fulfilled that Jesus would be born of a virgin, that he would have a spectacular birth, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be of the house and the lineage of David, and he was on both sides. Joseph, his stepfather, was of the kingly line of David. Mary, his mother, was of the son of uh, David named Nathan. Uh, they converged in Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, the way that he died is prophesied. He was uh, beaten with a whip. The Bible talks about his stripes. He was scourged. Uh, the Bible says that he bare our sins. The Bible says that people would look at him and reject him, that uh, all of his disciples would forsake him, that he would cry out on the cross, Psalm 22, a thousand years before Christ. David writes uh, that Jesus would say these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The scriptures talk about men gambling for his clothing. They, they, they parted his clothes and they gambled in order to get his robe. Uh, all of these things were fulfilled in Christ. But the crazy thing is, None of these things were written by one man. They were scattered all over. David wrote some, Isaiah, Daniel. All the different prophets were used to foretell things about Jesus. Moses had some, um, all the way back to uh, the, the, even in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that there would be a Savior come in Genesis chapter 3. God said it himself. So what I want you to see about this Bible is, yes, it was written by men, but these men over a thousand or more, 1,500 year period, wrote all of these things 
under a strong anointing and they are in agreement and any apparent contradictions can be quickly resolved if you just take a look at everything that is said and it lays it out beautifully. You, you can see it. Sometimes what is apparently a, a contradiction is really a difference in perspective. And, and we have that today. And that shows you something about the humanity of the people in the Bible. Not that there were mistakes, but that God accounts for human interpretations in the way that people saw things. They saw them and they declared them the way that they saw them. And so God has given us this amazing book. Boy, is it amazing. And it is so that we can have an amazing relationship with Him. Now I want you to listen to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. I'm going to start reading verse 6. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. So how am I going to find Him? Call on Him now while He is near. Let the people turn from their wicked deeds. Let them banish from their minds the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that He may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. So, how's all this going to happen? Listen, my thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So here is what God is saying. God is saying, I want you to come up to my level of thinking and I'm going to give you the power to do that. So now he explains to us how that's done. He said, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens, stay on the ground to water the earth, they cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer, bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Now look at this. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Sounds like a Disney movie, doesn't it? What is this saying? It is saying that God's Word will give you the ability to think His thoughts and to believe what He says. That's what it does. That's where faith comes from. He says, I change people and I raise the way people think. I elevate their thinking through my word. And just as rain and snow cause plants to flourish and grow in the earth, he said, that's the way my word works. And my word works like water. Just like water brings goodness to plants, my word brings goodness to your inner man. It changes you from the inside out. So settle that in your heart. If you're going to have strong faith, you are going to have to learn to feed on God's word. Now that's going to be a challenge for some of you in the beginning because it's a little hard for you to understand God's word. But you've come to a good place because I am an explainer and I and many others like me can help you understand how God's Word builds your faith. And that's what we're going to be focused on in this Faith Roots podcast. Well, 
That's all the time we have for today, but don't miss tomorrow. We'll be coming back and picking up right here where we left off. Thank you very much.